0: As you dive into this teaching from High Point Church, we pray that it will help you grow in your faith as you believe in, belong to, and become more like Jesus. If these messages bless you, would you consider giving back in support of this ministry? You can give and learn more about High Point at www.highpoint.church. Let me begin with seven fun facts on Father's Day. Seven fun facts. Let's take a look at the screen. The first one is this. Father's Day originated in America with the first unofficial celebration in Spokane, Washington in 1910. Raise your hand if you knew that. One person did. You didn't really know that, did you? He's like, yeah, I did. Were you there then? No, I'm kidding. Okay, second thing is this. Father's Day was started by Sonora Smart Dodd to honor her dad after her mother died during childbirth and was left to raise six kids on his own. I mean, this is crazy. What she did was, um, just to give you a little more info on this one, she wanted to have it on June 5th because that was her dad's birthday, and, uh, but obviously that did not happen. Third fact is this. I, want, I don't want to ask if anybody knew that because I don't want to be embarrassed again. I thought this is such important information that I was bringing to you today. No, honestly, this one, third one, 66. President Lyndon Johnson he issued a proclamation setting aside the third Sunday. There it is in June, as Father's Day. And in 1972, President Richard Nixon made it a national holiday that we celebrate today. Thankful for that. Another fun fact. Want another one? Yes. All right, good. There we go. Just trying to get a little audience participation. Love this one. Americans spend more than $20 billion on Father's Day gifts compared to $31 billion for Mother's Day. I mean, what are we, dads? Chop liver here or what? All right, let's get to the next one. Father's Day is the fourth most popular holiday for exchanging cards behind, you guessed it, Christmas, Valentine's Day, and Mother's Day. But we are ahead of Easter. (laughs) I don't even know what to say about that. Next one is this. The necktie is the most popular gift for Father's Day. So if you bought a necktie for your dad, he's probably not going to wear it. But it is a popular day. Okay, let's look at the next one. There are just an estimated 72 million fathers in the United States. That's a lot. And we're going to keep going with this. What's the next one? Two million single fathers with their children living with them under the age of 18. Can we just give a, a shout out to the single dads? That's a lot. I found this kind of interesting. There's 238,000 stay-at-home dads. Another fun Father's Day. Yeah, give a shout out to them. And we've got quite a few of them in the audience, it sounds like. But uh, no, kidding around. 66% of dads took leave with first births over the last five years, with only 14% in 1980 and earlier. I'm looking for the makeup leave, because we didn't get that when I was having kids. And so I'm thinking, you know, when they get to the age of 22, and 20, that we can take it then. But uh, all right, let's, let's get this. This is an interesting one. An Indian guy, he became the world's oldest dad in 2012 when he fathered his second child at 96. I think we, I I mean, Lord help me if I have another kid. Now this is the last one, we'll give you this. The rose, I thought this was interesting, is the forgotten flower of Father's Day. Wearing a red rose signifies a living father while a white one represents a deceased father. And so that's what they used to do. I wish I would have handed out some roses to the dads this morning, but that would have been pretty weird. (laughs) Set all that to say this. Open your Bibles. Go ahead and turn to Psalm 121. We took a look at it already. I want to highlight one verse. I want to give you what I'm calling seven characteristics of godly dads. And what we're going to do is we're going to look through the scriptures today. We're in a series. If you're visiting, if you're new, if you're joining us online, it's Summer in the Psalms. So we're going to just jump back and forth to a bunch of Psalms. You can follow along in your Bibles or you can check it out. We'll put the verses on the screens. I want to talk about godly dads and I want to talk about the characteristics of godly dads. And what we're going to do is... We're gonna look at the characteristics that oftentimes the majority of these verses describe our heavenly father. And we wanna apply them to us as earthly fathers. Now I know that as we talk about that, the bar's high. It's extremely high. And some, even on a day like today, maybe this is a real difficult day. There's some who lost their fathers recently. There's others who had a father that wasn't necessarily there for them. There's still others that maybe the truth is you don't even know who your dad is. The Bible says that God is like a father to the fatherless. Amen? Amen. That's what he's doing. So we wanna raise the bar on biblical fatherhood. And sometimes it's more about the office than the man. Because I believe as we raise the bar of biblical fatherhood, isn't it true that it's gonna be best for us and our families and our church and our world, agreed? Yeah. Let's raise the bar. And what I've learned as a dad is the bar's pretty high, but God always helps me get over it. And that's the cool thing about what we're celebrating today is that our heavenly father loves us and he's there for us and he's a father to each and every one of us at every stage and every age. First characteristic is this. If you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. It's that godly dads protect and provide. That's what they do. They're all about protection and provision. I love that. Let's take a look at Psalm 121 again. We'll look at verses seven and eight. Todd read them to us already. Isn't it good? Didn't our worship team do an awesome job this morning? Come on, let's praise God for them. And um, it's just awesome the way we get to worship in spirit and truth every week. The scripture says the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep you going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And look at this next Psalm, Psalm 145, starting in verse 16, it shows the provision. You're open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. That's describing our Heavenly Father. Maybe you are like me, and I'm telling you, I had an earthly father that protected and provided. And maybe I'm one of the few, but I'll tell you my earliest memories of him. My dad was from a generation, and that generation, they came over, and what they wanted to do is they wanted to give their kids more than they got. He grew up, he lost his father at a young age. He was selling apples on a street corner during the Great Depression. They adopted me when he was in his late 40s. I mean, my dad was a provider, and my earliest memories of him are him grabbing his briefcase and just, he had a little hat on and in, with a tie, because I got him a Father's Day tie, because that's what you get back then. And, and he'd be off to work. He worked at Lincoln Electric Company for, catch this, over 40 years. Who's doing that anymore? He started out by sweeping floors. And I've told this story before. He ended as the chief draftsman. Um, Late at night when I was a kid, I had an upstairs bedroom and um, there was a little unfinished side of the upstairs and he'd be in there um, working with his little drafting table. I'm just so thankful for his provision and his protection in my life. And so he has helped me. And even though he didn't become a Christian until he was in his 70s, did you hear me? 70s, it's never too late. It's never too late that we're praying for our dads. He modeled some things for our earth as a as an earthly father that I know God was pleased with as He embraced him in his 70s. Let me give you a quote because um, I love this. I'm going to give you several quotes. And Sigmund Freud, I'm going to go there. He literally had six kids, and so he understood the importance of the role of a dad. He wrote. I cannot think of any need in childhood as strong as the need for a father's protection, his protection, his provision. Second characteristic is this, as we raise the bar for biblical fatherhood. Godly dads love and forgive. And Psalm 86, if you go ahead and flip over there, you'll see it, but let me put it up on the screen. It says, for you, O Lord, are good and forgiving. Look at those adjectives. God is good. God is forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. If you call out to him, he's good. If you call out to him, he's forgiving. How many have experienced the forgiveness that God gives as we call out to him? I'm telling you, it's amazing. But let me double click on this. These two English words, steadfast love. Because in the original language, in the Hebrew, that's in reference to God's covenantal love to his people. It's the strongest word, his unwavering love, his faithful love, God's covenantal love. The Hebrew word is hesed, and it's the love that God gives to his kids. When I grew up, um, we didn't hear my dad say, I love you much. I didn't hear my mom say it either. Maybe you're part of that generation. And I didn't start hearing it until I literally came back from college and my sister was all about it. So she'd be saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. And then like, we'd be on the phone and and my dad would start saying, I love you. And I'm like, what just happened? I mean, what happened to him? And, And so he would start verbalizing. And, you know, sometimes isn't it true that we can flippantly say it? But I never doubted my dad's love. I never... He, he always showed it in actions more than words. I'm not saying that that's the only way to do it, but that's how they chose to do it, that's how he did. But then they started saying it in their, um, as they got older, and love and forgiveness are linked. Do we understand that? That's what this Psalm says, 86.5. It, it's linked together. You cannot separate love and forgiveness especially when it comes to God. His love is an unwavering, hesed love, steadfast in forgiveness. Where would you be without the forgiveness of God's love? And so as fathers, we wanna not only model forgiveness, that hesed, steadfast love. We wanna practice it and we wanna ask for it. Dads, there's nothing you can do greater than teach your kids To ask for forgiveness and model to them what forgiveness looks like when you fail. Some dads I talk to, they want to keep the bar up. They like it's we're gonna fail, but are you modeling what it looks like to ask for forgiveness? And so in our house, I'm telling you, you know, you can't just say I'm sorry for. Uh, You know, I had three daughters. It's like, I'm sorry for kicking my sister. That's what it is. No, you're not sorry. Sorry is for accidents. That's what Jody used to always say. Sorry is for accidents. It was wrong of me to kick you. And to use a biblical word, even for us as dads, it was wrong of me to get angry. It was wrong of me to lose patience. It was wrong of me to be abrupt, I mean, it's just a biblical thing that we as dads want to model. I want to celebrate Martin Luther King today, uh, Jr., and as we celebrate Juneteenth, and he understood the connection between love and forgiveness. Look what he wrote. We must develop and maintain the capacity to forgive. He who is devoid of the power to forgive is devoid of the power of love. That's an unbelievable quote. I like to say it like this. This is how I say it. Love can't exist without forgiveness and forgiveness can't exist without love. How many people would raise their hand and amen that? I mean, it just is. Like that is what we wanna model, love and forgiveness as earthly dads, just as our heavenly father. Third characteristic, we're walking through the Psalms. So flip over to Psalm 32 if you're following along in your Bibles or even as you're doing it on your phones. These are great verses that describe our heavenly father, and we want them to be true of us as earthly dads. Godly dads, they lead and guide. I mean, they're the ones, they're going for it, they're leading, they're guiding. That's what they're called to do. Psalm 32 says it best in verses eight and nine. I will instruct you, says the Lord. I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and a bridle, or it will not stay near to you. God wants to guide us. And just as God guides us, we want to guide our families through difficulties, through trials, through uncertainty. I know what it's like to try to guide a group of people. It it ain't always easy and you wanna do your best. There's always one side and the other side. And As you come in and you seek the Lord and you try to do his will, his way, because we all get faced with uncertainty. And it hits at times and sometimes the best decision is a decision that is a difficult decision, but you gotta move forward. I'm so thankful for a dad that modeled that to me for our family. Hey, when my older brother, when he got, I mean, he went through a time where he was addicted to drugs and, and it was awful. And I mean, my parents, they got up and they moved us and there was, they moved us across the city to a new friend group, to a new school. They'd do anything to break that stronghold. They were non-believing parents and they did that. Sometimes the decisions are difficult. And you know what? It wasn't the best decision for me in high school as I could have played for that school that had that team with that coach, but they did it for the family. And I did get on board, (laughs) but it's not easy. And so they lead and they guide. Let's give you another scripture. Good stuff today. Psalm 119 says your word, your word is like a lamp to my feet, and light to my path. And dad's, I mean, opening up his word before you write the email. Open up his word before you make the phone call. Open up his word before you decide upon whatever it is. And allowing his word to speak. His word to guide. I don't know where I'd be without this book. I had a great dad. But, but, But he didn't open this book until 70. And I found it at age 27. And I'm telling you, I don't know where you're at. But God, is a father to the fatherless through his Word, To his sons, to his daughters, to his kids. I, I love this book. I love what Jeremiah said. He said, your words came and I ate them and they were a joy and a delight to my soul. It's amazing to me. Even this morning, as I opened up God's word, as I'm reading through the Psalms, and the comfort that God's word gave to me as I'm reading systematically through, the Psalm that I read today was exactly what I needed to hear. Anybody had that experience? That's God's word. Now, I'm gonna go down a different path, and I wanna talk about four kind of dads who are not leading and guiding. And if you've had these, I'm sorry. If you're one of these, you can change. The first one is this, deadbeat dad. And that's the dad that is not present, that's the dad that's not there, that's the dad that's shifting and neglecting and abdicating his responsibility. And hey, you may be a father, I've heard it said, but not everybody's a dad. And a dad is there, and a dad leads. And the second one is this. I mean, distant dad. You say, where'd you get this? Well, we've been teaching on this at our church, but as Pastor Craig sits in here with me, we've had countless numbers of meetings with men over the years. And one of the hardest things is when they describe their dad in these terms. And as a grown man, they're, they're still having difficulty. And so the second one is a distant dad. He's just not there. He may be there physically, but he's not there emotionally or mentally. Third kind of dad is a disgruntled dad. And this is the kind that's just just always upset, always angry, always a short fuse. Nothing is ever right. And then lastly, if this couldn't be word, it's the demanding dad. And I don't know, maybe you were in a family and you were raised, and I've talked to many like this where one child was pitted against the other. One brother against the other. And the demands were just too difficult and too high. Man, we don't want that. I mean, look at those four words. None of those describe our Heavenly Father. Because our Heavenly Father is good. Our Heavenly Father is loving. Our Heavenly Father abounds in steadfast love. That's what the Bible says. And so let me give you a quote, give you the next one um, from Frederick Douglass. And again, we're just, you know, giving a shout out to Juneteenth. He had, interestingly, um, he had four kids and he wrote this, he said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Isn't that insightful? And so he's saying, we got to pour into the men. And that's why we have an initiative here about building into the families. We want to come alongside the parents. And I got to just do it. I'm going to give a shout out to the single moms on Father's Day. Anybody with me? Come on, single moms. I'm telling you, praise the Lord. And the difficulties that we can come alongside and maybe the circumstances are such that we as a church family need to step in. That's what we're about. We had a great initiative this past year and uh, at all our locations, so thankful that it was about men. And so we wanted to double down on men. And so we had four gatherings throughout the year for high point men to unite men and to talk about biblical manhood. And we also do weekly small groups and growth groups. And it went so good, story upon story, that we're doing the same rhythm next year, continuing to double down because we want to invest in them. And don't misread him. He's not saying that he doesn't want to repair broken men. It's just more difficult. And it's more demanding. And so it's easier to build strong children, and that's what we're about. Third thing is this, that godly dads teach and train. And I love this picture because, I don't know, maybe, you know, I, I, I'm a dad and I'm a girl dad, and I'm telling you, you know, I, I've, I taught my girls, how to do a lot of things, ride a bike, drive a car, braid their hair. Yeah, I taught them that. I didn't. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Please forgive me. I taught them how to do a left-handed layup, though. Opposite-handed layup. I taught them how to open up a bank account and do a budget. And and the teaching never goes on. I just taught them how to use chat, GBT, PT. That's what I did. And I mean, you're saying, what's that? Well, you don't have a dad that teaches you, I guess, like me. But in all seriousness, we got this great opportunity to teach and to train, and it requires fully invested. Hey, I'm a pastor, and I love it. Didn't dream of it, didn't want to be it. Going through college, high school, nothing. My college friends still call me up and say, what do you do again? Can, are you, you're a pastor? My first calling is to my wife. My calling is to my family. Like I'm called to be a dad. And I got a lot of great potential as a pastor, but I've learned that sometimes it isn't about potential, it's about calling. And I've been called to be a husband and a father to train and to guide and to teach and to lead. And so let's look at what the Bible says about our heavenly father. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deed. How about this next verse? Got three of them coming quick. Psalm 144, blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. I don't know about you, but I love this because God is gonna train you for the uncertainty, for the difficulty, for the battle against the enemy. He's going to do it. And then lastly, how about this? Blessed is the man whom you discipline, O Lord, and whom you teach out of your love. Sometimes it's the discipline that God brings that we're to learn and to guide hey, let me just uh, do a look back. And so one of my favorite Father's Day, I got a picture. And so the three girls, they woke me up and they gave me breakfast in bed and they gave me a little trophy here. I don't know if you knew, but I'm the greatest dad in the world. And so I still have that trophy and, and it's up in my office. And, and so they, you know, we had a great time and they planned the day. And we went canoeing. We got a picture. I I'll never forget this. We're, we're canoeing over here, close to here, and it and, and it was just a it was an awesome day. Went to lunch, did all these things, and then we finished the day with this picture. This was my first and last pedicure. <laughs> so that's what this is and so you can see me I'm a little bewildered you know I'm trying to figure it out and, and, and it's my first and my last and I'm thinking well you know what I mean I don't know maybe today maybe I'm going to get my next one today and so I don't know I could probably use one but, but here let me show you one of the pictures of one of my not so favorite days as a father it's this one and so this is a picture of one of my daughters who will remain nameless this is at a church event. You know what I'm doing here, don't you? This is called the rebuke. And so look at her face. Oh, God, I hate this picture. I'm just like, I'm such a mean dad. And, and I, I probably I was right about to put the claw down. My girls told me, tell me about the claw. And as a dad, the claw was like, if they were talking too loud, if they were crying, the claw came. And you better shut that mouth. That's what the claw was. And... You can't do that today, I know, fathers. But I did it, and I'm proud of it. And, and I'm not proud of this moment, but I'm rebuking her in front of the whole church. And then I'm thinking to myself, but what about Jody, who took this picture? I mean, what kind of mother and wife is like that? Sometimes our kids need our discipline, Dad and they need it from you. And if I can just bare my heart for a moment, I'm telling you, my wife, you know, sometimes I'd I'd, I'd come home and she'd like, Ron, so-and-so, one of the daughters, needs to hear this from you. And I'm like, well, didn't you tell her already? From you. And I know she looks sweet and innocent, but boy, you are on the other end of that finger. (laughs) It's not good. And so, so I'd be like, well, what exactly should I say? And then dad's, let me just teach you how to be successful. I would just get a piece of paper and I'd get a pen and I'd say, slow down, honey, please. And tell me again, what was that? And what was that? And okay, let me get that right. I'll not Use what word? Oh, that's a pretty strong adjective, just use it, okay? She literally put the ball on the T for me. And then I'd go in and she set me up for winning. Sometimes I just take dang paper and read it. <laughs> but they need your discipline. And it can't just be from one side and neglecting to discipline and train. It, it just, dads, we need, as sons, I needed it from my father. We, we all need it, just like, We need it from our heavenly father, the discipline that comes as a result. Sometimes it's about our sinfulness and stupidity and other times it's it's about the fact that we all go through difficulty and we all go through trials and it's the sin of this world that has brought it off kilter, Amen? amen? Biblical theology that bad things happen to good people because other people sin and so we gotta teach and we gotta train. I think I'd have another quote up here, so let's just put this one up. I love that, oh yeah, this is a funny one because I love Mark Twain and I like to read his stuff. And, but this is, he's joking. And I felt like this when I came home from college with my dad. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Isn't it true? I mean, we come back from college, and are like, man, Dad, you got really smart. Uh, no. He's the same. He's consistent. And sometimes we got to smarten up. Hey, I got to get through the list. Let me give you another characteristic. We may only get to a few, to, to six of them. Godly dads, encourage and support. And if you're a dad in the audience today, or maybe you're at home, hey, man, the, the, the encouragement from our words. You know, psychologists tell us that men are striving for significance. That's what we want. We want significance. Women, psychologists will tell you it's about security. And so to encourage and strengthen and to be a voice of encouragement and support that I believe in you. Have you told your son that you believed in him lately? Have you told your daughter how special she is? Man, even on Father's Day that that makes sure you're giving it back to them. Not just today, but every day. Let's look at a couple scriptures, or we're gonna look at one. I love this one because it says, God is our refuge and strength. Very present help in time of trouble. And if you double click on this term refuge, it is. It's like he is the safe place. Everybody wants safe space. It's called God. It's called his word. It's called being in his presence, which can happen at any place and any time, in the workplace, in your car, in your home, here at church. He's our refuge, he's our strength. He's the one that we run to in times of need. And I want my daughters to run to me in times of need. I wanna be there for them through their greatest trial and their greatest difficulty that we would encourage and strengthen. I wanna give a word of, uh, about Jody's dad and uh, she'll be here at the 11 o'clock service and uh, she'll probably be here greeting people at the end. But her dad, Joe Shoup, I mean, I'm talking man's man. I'm talking big guy, big hands, farmer. I mean, he was a combination of, I don't know if you remember, Paul Newman. He was kinda like Paul Newman and then that other guy I don't know. Clint Eastwood, no. I was thinking about uh, Robert Redford. You guys are going really old school here. He just, I mean, he was just, he was just a, he was a kind of guy that you just, and he wasn't, he didn't say a lot. And, And, but it was just the way he was and what he modeled. It was just, it was, he just influenced. And so I'm so thankful that, Jody would, like, honestly, we dated in high school, and and she would talk about him through college, even when we first got married, and I just, my thing was, I just want my kids to talk about me like she talks about her dad. I mean, that's what I was looking for, and, and that's what I wanted, and so sometimes dads, maybe you're not a vocal dad. My dad wasn't, but we need to learn to be vocal, but then look at what, Um, This quote says, because this is a writer, famous dad. He said, my father didn't tell me how to live. He lived and let me watch him do it. And sometimes that's the best way. Psychologists will tell us this. As men, we learn best by just watching and just seeing. And sometimes we pick up habits of other men. And it's not that we're copying them. It's that that's how we literally learn. And so if we live that kind of life, I was thinking of um, Robert Redford and Leonardo DiCaprio. I couldn't come up with a name. And it's like, maybe not his political views, but together, that, that that's who Joe Shoup was. I mean, he was just a stud, man. And everybody liked him. And everybody loved him. And I wanna be that for my kids. And sometimes it's not what you say, it's also what you do. So next characteristic, we've got two more. Good stuff? Second, the sixth characteristic is dads, they, they godly dads inspire and influence. And I love this psalm, Psalm 115, because this describes what each of us wants to be. I'll apply it to the men. Oh Lord, who shall sojourn in your, in your tent? Who shall dwell in your holy hill? Let me tell you who. He who walks blamelessly, the dad that does what is right, the dead that speaks truth in his heart. The dead who does not slander with his tongue. The dead who does not know evil to his neighbor. The dead who takes up reproach against his friend. He doesn't do that. The dead in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord. Love this phrase. Who swears to his own hurt and does not change. Psalm 15 verse four is a favorite from mine because I wanna swear to my own hurt when I say something, I want my word to be what it is, that that's a picture of commitment. And sometimes there's difficulty. And sometimes we make a decision, dads, and we make a decision for our kids, for our family, in the workplace, starting our career, starting a new thing, going back to school. When you swear to your own hurt, you keep going. And you get it done. And trial and adversity is gonna come. Anybody experienced that lately? And I had a dad who was zeroed in. I'm pushing through. And that's what I want to do as a dad. That's what I want to do as a husband. That's what I'm going to do as a pastor. That's what I want to do as, more importantly, a friend. I want to push through. And I want to inspire and influence. And so I've had the privilege of influencing three daughters. And for those, maybe, I don't know what stage you're at, that window of opportunity closes pretty quick. But I just love the fact that I've had the time I love the fact that they call me now for a decision. I had a Father's Day not too long ago, it was a while back, and they gave me this book. And um, they each filled it out, and it's filled with pages. It's called, I Love You, Dad, and Here's Why. And they just like, I'm not gonna read it, it's too funny. But this is one of those prized possessions that sits, I know where it is, that if the house is on fire, I'm grabbing this. Because it, It brings such joy. And so on the last page, they each wrote something. And so one of my daughters said, I respect you, Dad, more than anyone. You're foundational in my understanding of who God is and how much he loves me. I can better understand my Abba Father because of your leadership and love for us. The words I am proud of you, from you, resonate deeply in my soul. It can bring me to tears instantly, making everything okay. It can give me confidence to move forward in my calling, Happy Father's Day. Another daughter wrote this, Dad, the steps of faith you and Mom have taken always challenge me. It's immeasurable how much you have taught me as a pastor and have solidified God's teachings and have demonstrated for me every day as a dad. Your testimony have gotten me through a really tough time of doubt and continues to be a living testimony of how God saves and uses people every day. Thank you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. And lastly, Dad, I love the honesty of my kids. Even though I screw up and I've disobeyed you in the past, I've always looked up to you and respected you through it all. And sometimes you don't think your kids do. And you gotta be resolute and you gotta be convicted and you gotta stand strong. She writes, I've always felt guilty because I know that you'll love me no matter what. And even in the midst of my mistakes, when my mistakes hurt you deeply, I'm sorry for messing up. You've always been there for me. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Make sure you tell your dad how much he means to you. And so I wanna do something fun right now. Maybe, I hope you can. If if you can't just think about what he means to you, pull out your phone. Text your dad right now. And if you can, text him and tell him how much he's been an inspiration. Text him and tell him how much you love him. Text him and tell him how much he's been an influence, even if it's difficult. And for some of us, maybe it's, Dad, I I forgive you and I love you and just want you to know I'm thinking about you. That text may mean more to him than you could possibly ever know. Text him right now. I'm not kidding. It's okay. You've been on your phone anyways halfway through the message. Just text your dad. Lastly is this. How about this one? Godly dads worship and pray. And so I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward as we have an opportunity to sing this last song. And I want to take a look at Psalm 145. So worship team's going to come forward. And Psalm 145 verses 1 through 4 says, I will extol you, my God and my King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your words to another and shall declare your mighty acts. What a beautiful picture of a godly, of a God who loves with chesed love and a God who forgives that we worship him. And dads, That's the source of our strength. Dads, that's where we blow it when we don't have enough strength to endure. We gotta worship him. So let's stand together if you're able. And we're gonna end this way. We're gonna do something a little different. Everybody okay with a little different ending? So normally what I would do is I'd kinda embarrass the dads and they don't like it, but I make them all stand up. So just raise your hand if you're a dad. I'm not gonna pray over you. And normally you stand up and that's what what I do. And I I don't mean that disrespectfully. I'm not going to pray over you. But I'm going to do something better. I'm going to have Pastor Craig and Pastor CJ and we've asked a couple dads in our church. And they're going to pray these characteristics over you. And they're going to pray for us to become godly dads. And these are the kind of prayers. If you come to pray, don't give me the prayer that's, oh, I'm the greatest dad and I'm the righteous dad and I've been just like God and I hope you can be like me. No, that's not it. It's, God, you've helped me to be loving and forgiving. God, you've been with me when I failed you. And God, so would you continue to walk and give us strength and to help that John 15 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And we dads, isn't it true? We need the help from above. And we need the help from above to lead. So we're gonna have several dads just pray over us. So bow your heads with me. And then Pastor Craig will close us in prayer and we'll worship the Lord. Amen. Lord, I just pray for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for these dads.